0: Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. A special thank you to our sponsor, EquaThrive. This one goes out to all the horses with the crusty necks, fleshy backs, and girthy middles. The horses who gain a few extra pounds simply by breathing air. The Easy Keepers on Limited Pastures. The folks at Equithrive know there is nothing easy about Easy Keepers. That's why they have formulated products just for you. Equithrive's Metaborol is a pelleted supplement that is scientifically proven to support healthy metabolic function and a healthy inflammatory response in horses. It's bona fide joint and metabolic support all in one easy-to-feed pellet. Visit Equithrive.com today and use the promo code Hoof to get 20% off your first order, plus free shipping. www.equithrive.com. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I absolutely love navicular rehab cases. We have done a bunch of episodes on navicular rehab, including one last year called Navicular Isn't the End. One of the guests on that episode was Tayla Pierce Hart, talking about her horse Frankie, and I found his story so compelling that I asked her to come back on to chat again. In this episode, we talk about Frankie's diagnosis, all the different avenues they tried to get him sound, and what eventually made him able to go back to ridden work again, despite being faced with euthanasia originally. So why don't we start with talking a little bit about your horse's diagnosis and how you came about having to deal with all his lameness issues?
1: Yes. So um, Frankie was not actually diagnosed with navicular until a couple months after he went lame. And that was because when he first went lame, it was very subtle. It was only on a tight circle. You could only really notice it when I was riding him. So... When the vet first came out, we did nerve blocks, we did x-rays and the x-rays showed a medial lateral imbalance in his feet and some minor coffin joint arthritis. But other than that, there wasn't anything sort of that screamed navicular or that's what the vet said at the time. She said, you know, the x-rays aren't always 100% with um, navicular, like some horses will have... This is like what you say, like some horses will have really, really awful x-rays and never have a lame step. And some horses will have x-rays that are fine, but will be hopping lame. So he ended up getting referred to an MRI at Rosdale's in Newmarket. I think three months, three or four months after he initially went lame, because in that interim period, we were doing all the normal things you try when a horse goes lame. So view and box rest, field rest different trimming styles because he was actually barefoot when he was diagnosed with navicular. so we tried the remedial trimming trim into the x-rays which actually made him worse it made him a lot more lame to start with and I think that must have just been because of how quickly we changed the balance in his feet yeah because um, we did it over only a three or four farrier visits sort of completely changed the balance and he was much more lame at the end of it so Went to Rosdale, had the MRI, got diagnosed with navicular through the MRI. Um, it was mainly his collateral ligaments that were the issue. They were very, very inflamed. And the prognosis wasn't great at all. I remember the vet that did his MRI in Newmarket phoned me. And she, she said it was bad news. And I am um, sort of asked, you know, will I be able to ride him again? I know this is sort of early early stages to be asking that but Will is that sort of something I'm looking at and she she said at the time she was like looking just off the MRIs and at his lameness at the moment I would say probably not that's probably not an option so then I later spoke to Frankie's regular vet who referred him for the MRI and she at that time I think she said it's 50-50 whether he would become sound enough to the point where he could live comfortably let alone sort of being able to ride him and at that point that wasn't that wasn't even the worst he got at that point. Wow
0: and so what did they offer as treatment or what did they suggest you to do?
1: So initially it was remedial shoes and steroids so he had steroids into both front coffin joints if I remember right And he had, I think it was rocker shoes that they put on. So we tried that. And the one thing I will say is that with all the normal, I'm going to say normal, (laughs) there is really no normal, but the vet recommended treatments that we tried, they all seemed to work for a couple of weeks or a month or so, like four to six weeks, and then he would progressively get worse and worse again. So, yeah, we tried the steroids into his coffin joint, the remedial rocker shoes. He then went and had steroids into his navicular bursa. And at that point, when we took him into the vets to have the steroids into navicular bursa, the vet then said at that point, if that didn't work, the last sort of option they had after that was the denerving surgery, which I, um, I said at the time I'd already decided that I wasn't going to do that. So the vet was then saying, OK, if the navicular burst injections don't work, don't bring him sound and you're not willing to do the denerving surgery, then it's just retirement.
0: Yeah, right. And so then at that point, what did you do? Like, did you do what they recommended or did you start looking for other options? So at that point,
1: I mean, I was already kind of looking at other options anyway, because I was thinking I was like, If the vets come to me and say, "Okay, well, it's the point where you've got to put him to sleep, which they did say at one point, but that's a bit further along. Um, But if the vets say to me, you've got to put him to sleep, we've got to retire him. Is there anything that they've not actually offered that I could still try? And the only thing I could think was taking him barefoot and trying that route again, which a lot of people said to me at the time he's already barefoot sort of he was barefoot when he was diagnosed he's was barefoot for years before he was diagnosed so what difference would it make now which I mean to be fair at the time I did think that's a fair point you know because that was before I'd actually properly looked into barefoot rehab and realized there's much much more to it than just a horse not wearing shoes right
0: yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that I wanted to point out too, is that my gelding when he was diagnosed was also already barefoot. And I think a lot of people who are listening, you know, if they have a horse that's diagnosed with navicular and the horse is already barefoot, they might not feel the need to pursue like a, a the kind of approach that, that I advocate. Cause they're like, well, we already tried the barefoot route and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's,
0: there's definitely a lot more to it. So why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, what some of the steps that you did with Frankie and and what you saw progress with
1: yes yeah, so following the failed treatments from the vets so like i said the coffin joint injections initially we saw a positive sort of reaction to that only lasted a couple of weeks same with the shoes it lasted i think the first shoeing cycle he looked like he was gotten getting a lot better by the second chewing cycle, which was around the same time that he had the navicular birth injections, he was the lamest he'd ever been. He That was when the vet said, your only option now is to put him to sleep. So I think that's the pinnacle turning point when I was like, okay, I'm actually out of options now. I thought, you know, the last option I have is either put him to sleep or go the complete opposite way to what everyone is telling me to do because everybody I knew sort of in person at the yard was saying basically you're crazy (laughs) like why would you even think about trying to go against what the vet and the farrier is telling you to do but I mean I did exactly that So I, um, I think it was actually Chloe at Long Marsh Track Delivery that reached out to me I put a post on some Facebook group just asking about barefoot rehab like within the uk and chloe reached out to me and said that she has a track system she takes some rehabs and she has horses with navicular there her own horse had i think had navicular has navicular um, and that was sort of the reason she set the track system up so in november of 2021 which was roughly a year after he first went lame he went, made the, uh, I think it was a four, five-hour trip, four-hour trip down to Somerset to um, spend, I think it was four months he ended up spending at the track system. And it was almost, I like to think of it as almost a complete reset for him. Yeah. So, yeah, he was already barefoot at this time. I'd already had the shoes taken off, but it was sort of a completely complete overhaul of his diet, his... Environment, everything like that, and while he was at the track system, he was having uh four weekly trims, and he was under the care of the vet that they use there as well and He had a few little setbacks while he was there I mean obviously it was also the him adjusting to a new environment sort of idea, yeah, but he had a few setbacks while he was there, but by the time he came back four months later the vet that he was under while he was there had cleared him to come back into rhythm work.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I think of too when we come to navicular horses, it's almost like this elimination type rehab where you basically like strip everything down to bare basics and have to piece together things from the beginning. So you like mentioning a reset is very much like how I think of it too.
1: Yeah. Which I think, I think it can get very complicated with navicular. I think people hear the word navicular and sort of your mind goes off in a million different directions. But I think you do just need to strip it right, right, right back as in as basic as you can get in terms of the diet. I mean, now his diet is completely different to what it used to be. He gets very, very basic um, sort of unmolassed chaff, no alfalfa or anything like that, just very basic chaff. He gets micronized linseed, speedy beet, so beet pulp, and then his supplements, which is just his vitamins, minerals, and his joint supplement, and salt.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so when you took him home from the track system, what kind of management did he have? Did he have a track at you know where you were, or was he back into like a regular turnout situation? Like, how did he adjust? No, yeah.
1: So he went back into a... A Very normal sort of livery yard situation, so he was stabled overnight and he was turned out in a in a grass field during the daytime and I do remember speaking to Chloe at the time, and I was quite worried about the how he would adjust because I was thinking okay well he's he's sound and been cleared to come back into a rhythm work while he's on the track, but is that all going to change when he comes back into a more mainstream sort of way of keeping horses right? and there were some setbacks mainly with the diet because he'd been on a non-grass livery for four months and then he was going back out into sort of grazing so there was sort of had to be a slow introduction of reintroducing to grass and then also trying to manage his grass intake again which was probably what I found the most difficult because he has had laminitis before And I think that throughout the whole time he was lame, I do think parts of it were underlying laminitic issues rather than just a navicular, which I think a lot of people as well, when you hear the word navicular, you're just sort of focused on that then and almost forget that there could be other problems that are causing issues. It's not all just navicular all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so brought him back. Ended up moving yards not long after he came back, back to a DIY yard where I could manage it myself because at the time he was on full livery and the way the turnout was and everything, it just wasn't working for him anymore sort of idea. So in about four or five months after he came back from the track system, I did actually move him yards to where he is now and I've made up my own mini track in my field. It is just a basic grass track, but even that has helped him massively. And also within that time, so since he's moved yards within the last sort of six months, he's not been trimmed at all. He's I've been trying uh, self trimming with him, which is something I was really quite worried to do because obviously when you say to people in a normal livery yard oh my horse doesn't see the farrier (laughs) my horse hasn't had a farrier in six months they all look at you like you're crazy sort of i think but honestly a few things i've noticed since i've been self trimming with him is first of all it this is the soundest he's been since he was diagnosed with navicular like on on circles on the lunge ridden on concrete this is the soundest he's been overall. second of all, his cairo and his massage therapist who he sees every month to two months i I didn't tell them anything about the self trimming, anything like that, but they've both commented that he's a lot straighter and a lot more comfortable through his body within the last five six months since I've been self- trimming which is something I found really interesting, especially because they, they don't know that's what I've been doing. They both just said to me, he's actually only got some little niggly bits rather than being sore throughout his entire body and wonky throughout his whole body like he was before. Now he's only got a few minor issues here and there.
0: Yeah. And I really want to dive into the self-trimming, but I just wanted to ask a question before I forget. So you had mentioned how he he had had laminitis in the past and you think that a lot of what you were seeing might've been underlying laminitic issues. So was he ever diagnosed with a metabolic problem or was he deemed to not have any metabolic issues?
1: Yeah. Funnily enough, he was deemed not to have any. He has been tested for insulin resistance, and ppid i think three times now so he got tested after he recovered when he had laminitis which was a good couple of years ago now and then he's been tested twice since and every single time they come back well within the normal range like the vets say to me he's not even in the gray area he is well below the threshold so he's just a bit of a weird one with that because <laughs> He, we did try him on metformin at one point uh, to see if it made a difference. And it made a little bit of a difference. Well, I thought it was making a bit of a difference at the time, but I think it was more I hadn't fully dialed his diet down at that time because now he's completely off the metformin. He has been for a long, like quite a while, quite a few months. And like I said, he's a sound, this is being so. I do get him tested every year or every other year anyway, especially for PPID because he is nearly 15. So I do get him tested anyway. But so far, he's it's not come back that he has any metabolic problems.
0: Yeah, and I know I'm going to sound crazy right now, but that actually is like... I love hearing that just because I hear so much that people say like, oh, I don't have to change the diet because my horse isn't metabolic. But the amount of horses that I see that are sensitive to diet and sensitive to grass and sugars and their blood work is perfect is a lot more than you'd suspect. So the fact that he can be so sensitive to diet, but also have really great blood work just kind of proves that point that some horses, you know, they need that extra, care in their diet even if everything looks fine medically
1: yeah absolutely like I always think you need to look at them as an individual so the blood work can come back perfect but if that horse as an individual is still not coping well with sugars or grass in their diet you can't really just say oh well their blood works fine so they're fine
0: if that makes sense yeah exactly right A special thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Cavallo. For our humble hoof listeners, they are offering 20% off their Cavallo Trek hoof boots using the coupon code HRN at checkout. The Trek is the world's most popular and versatile hoof boot and Cavallo's toughest trail boot, while also doubling as an option for therapy or rehab. The front closure system makes it easily adaptable to various hoof shapes, and the TPU upper design allows for maximum strength while minimizing weight for the comfort and ease of movement for your horse. These are recommended by vets and trainers and also loved as transport boots by barrel racers, ship jumpers, dressage riders, and everyone in between. Again, for 20% off a pair of Treks, use the code HRN at checkout at cavallo-inc.com. All right. Now I really want to dig into the self-trimming because my gelding self-trims too, which I think we talked about the last time we were on the podcast together. Yeah, And he also is the soundest he's ever been when he's self-trimming and... You know, it's mind-boggling to me because it seems so counterintuitive to just like let things go, but, just leave them be. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess the first question I want to ask is: Do you like when you look at his feet? Would you know that he's self-trimming? Like, um, does he look like he's not like you know? Do his feet look kind of not seen the farrier? In, yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And <laughs> um, now, no, nobody. Nobody that I know or that I'm friends with or that I've seen him has looked at him and said, oh, his feet look really long or his feet look really bad. His feet are actually looking really good at the moment. When uh, I first started self-trimming with him, there there was about a month or two where his feet did look very messy. And obviously that there is that part of you that's like, oh, my God, I need to get the farrier out. Like he needs to be tidied up. He needs to be trimmed. And But I just kept thinking, okay, just, you know, keep going, keep going. And his feet will hopefully find that equilibrium. And they have now because over Christmas, I've barely really ridden him because I was busy and it's Christmas and all the rest. So he hasn't actually done much over the past two, three, four weeks. And I was expecting his feet to get a little bit long with sort of the reduced workload. But in all honesty, I've actually been really surprised. It seems like his feet have just kind of worked out what they need to do now. It's kind of it's been that sort of long, that five, six months that his feet almost have adjusted to the reduced workload. And I have no worries that now I've started riding them more often again, that his feet are going to grow a bit quicker and keep up with that.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've noticed the same in horses that I see that are self-trimming. And for those listening that might not know, like, I feel like some people hear self-trimming and they think that means that the owner is trimming the horse themselves, but really it's the horse maintaining their feet on their own, just through their own movement and wear, which, you know, I get like, can sound so crazy. And it's something that.
1: It does though, doesn't it? But I've said to people, I've said to people, I don't really touch his feet. Like, nobody touches feet. I I spray them every couple of days and will pack them with hoof clay just to prevent thrush. Other than that, he doesn't get trimmed. He doesn't... His feet, which I know, like you said, it sounds very sort of the opposite of what you would want to do with a horse with hoof issues and navicular and laminitic issues, is just not touch their feet. Not have a farrier trim them every four weeks or shoe them every four weeks. It sounds very it it just doesn't sound like what you should do. And I know it does sound crazy. Anyone listening will probably think it sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's one of those things where you need to, once you've seen it and you've seen how well it can work, like it completely changed your mindset. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And honestly, like I save it for cases where the things that I normally would do haven't been successful because I feel like it can surprise us you know, and there are a lot of horses that do great, right. Getting regular trims and they're perfectly sound and you know, that's fine too. But yeah. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to ask about him? Oh, so (laughs) I know that you kind of addressed this, but when he first started self trimming, were you doing anything to maintain his feet in terms of riding? Like, did you do X amount of miles a day or did you ride over like tarmac a lot or, you know, did you have to do anything to kickstart it?
1: So we do a lot of road work anyway, because of where we are, you have to ride on the road to get to near the bridleways. So he does a lot of road work anyway. But when at the very, very start, when I started self-trimming with him, I was doing road work within maybe five, six days a week, whereas normally now, just how I regularly ride him and exercise him, it's probably three three to four days a week that we're riding on tarmac. Whereas at the start, it was more or less every day just to try and like you said, sort of kickstart it.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Nick Barker is a really great resource for self trimming and she wrote the book performance hoof performance horse. And she also talks about how, you know, they do a lot of road work at her property in, in England And that's how they kind of get those rehab horses started with their self trimming. But she sees horses that then go to live on, you know, a grass track or grass field who then like you've seen with Frankie end up adjusting. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I think that diet has to be dialed in really well because if they're eating a lot of excess sugar and starch, or if they're not getting the right mineral balancing, then their feet are going to grow, Poorly anyway, so I don't, you know, that's where self trimming might not work if you don't if you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle together.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think with well, not just navicular any hoof issue or issue in the horse, but obviously we're speaking about navicular. You need to look at the whole picture. I think just focusing on say. With Frankie's MRI, oh, well, his collateral ligaments have issues with them. He's got coughing joint arthritis. When we were just focusing on that, so we were doing the steroid injections and, you know, the box breasts, the the shoes, it just ended up making him worse. It's only when I took a step back and sort of looked at him as the whole horse. So his diet, what he's eating, how much turnout he's getting, how much sort of road work he was getting – everything together like body work Cairo, physio like it, there's so many pieces of the puzzle to put together which is why it can be very overwhelming when you're told your horse has an abicular diagnosis and you need to do x y and z so you do kind of need to just take a step back and break it down into you know the simple steps like okay physio diet you know exercise road work etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so my question is, how did your vet back home respond to his soundness? Because they obviously had mentioned not a great prognosis to even return to being a pasture pet.
1: Yes. Yeah, so she, she was really, really pleased. And she did actually message me not long after asking for the number of the trimmer that I was using before I started self-trimming because she had a horse that presented very similar to how Frankie did and she wanted to offer the owner alternative options, which I thought was great. I just thought that was amazing. That's so
0: cool. I love that. (laughs) And so, you know, you, you get your horse back and, and doing well. So how did you bring him back into work so that he didn't have setbacks or did he have setbacks once he got back into work?
1: He, yeah, he did have setbacks. So, we started just very simple sort of road working walk for a couple of weeks and then would build up a few minutes of trot here and there. But throughout the first maybe two, three months, it was all just straight lines. It was just hacking. So we're just going on the road, on the bridle ways. Didn't really do too much in the arena. The setbacks we had mainly was... When he was feeling good, I was feeling good about how he was feeling and sort of just pushed it a little bit too far. Um, I remember one time when we just started introducing canter work again and we were cantering along a canter track that there was at our old yard and he was feeling very well and didn't want to stop and um, carried on along the canter track. And then was quite sore afterwards, which he learned his lesson after that. And he does pull up now when I ask him to stop. (laughs) But that that was the first major setback we had because it's kind of... He just pushed himself too far and was feeling sort of great. And then afterwards was not feeling so great. So... I gave him, I think, a week off a bit of you and then just went right back to the star after that. So we went right back to walk and built it back up again from there.
0: Yeah, right. What kind of riding do you do and what kind of riding are you guys doing now? So I don't jump him anymore, which
1: is my own personal choice anyway, because he does has arthritis on top of the navicular. So we don't jump anymore. Other than that, more or less gone back to what we used to do which was a lot of hacking and a bit of schooling here and there but I am a happy hacker at heart I like going out I like riding through the countryside so that is mainly what we do I mean I never really competed anyway so that's not something I we ever did anyway or we do now but it's just hacking, schooling. We go out on sort of fun rides to the woods, the beach, stuff like that occasionally. So I'm still able to enjoy my horse, which is the main thing that I wanted to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And if you wanted, you probably could do you know, showing and stuff like that. I I am the same way. I don't personally show. It's never interested me. It used to make me super anxious when I did it in high school. So I, I'm the same way. Like I prefer hacking out and I mean, trail riding can be super strenuous. I mean that there, you see a lot more varied terrain than you do in a ring. So.
1: Oh, well I agree. The, um, the trails that we have around us, some are massively stony and rough and he copes absolutely fine over them.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And then how long did it take, like, how long has it been since he's been fairly consistently sound?
1: So I would say, I would say he's been consistently sound, mainly since we started the self-trimming. So between, which was just in the summer. So the first couple of months he was coming back into work, it was a little bit up and down, which did panic me at the time because I was thinking, no, like I've just got him back. He sounds like he can't be having these setbacks where he's having off days or, you know, doing a little bit too much one day and then being sore for a couple of days. So it did really panic me to start with. But yeah, I would add thinking back on it. I would actually say it's been the self trimming. I think that's been a massive, massive difference. And that's what's kept him touch wood consistently sound over the past six months
0: that's awesome and you know I don't know if you've seen that I'm opening this track system rehab you know kind of similar yes to Rocky. I have seen. It looks amazing <laughs> things and so you know you've mentioned a track you have you have him on a track now and you had him on a track at Longmarsh and do you think that that you know was helpful for him for his rehab
1: absolutely just even on my little basic track that I have in my field you can just see how much more he moves which is the first thing I wanted because you know you see horses stood in the field and just head down all the time so the the extra movement just not even just his feet but his body and his muscles I've noticed a difference in his work and how he's He just feels stronger in himself, even if I'm not riding him very often. And his field is uphill as well, which does help. Other than that, I think overall track systems are just, I think they are just a better option, really. Because obviously the movement, even like I said, on a very basic grass track, I think the extra movement is really the thing that makes a big difference, in my opinion, compared to sort of regular turnout.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I agree. I've seen horses that live like, you know, even owners that have set up little tracks, like their feet just end up so much better when I see them because they are forced to move more just to get to their different resources. So it's just, you know, the horses are made to move.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they they are. That's the thing. And I think that's what we, we do often forget. But I mean, even now, over winter, Frankie stabled overnight and turned out during the daytime. But I've not actually seen the negative effect on his feet or on his body, which I thought I would sort of with the extra stabling. But his feet have actually, they've adjusted better than I thought I would to sort of a reduce workload and reduce movement. That's great.
0: Yeah. And I think um, those are all the main things I wanted to touch on. But do you have any advice for owners that are either like struggling with a case that they're, you know, not sure how to proceed on? i think my main bit of advice would just to be treat each horse as an
1: individual so so obviously i say about how self-trimming has really helped frankie but like you said earlier some horses do really well on a four-week or six-week trimming schedule in in their diet you know you can't it's not like a one one shoe fits all kind of idea you You need to look at your horse individually and there will be a bit of trial and error there. There was loads of trial and error for me until you find what works for your horse individually. And I think with that, I'll also say don't have any expectations because when Frankie first started coming back into work at the start of last year, when he came back from Longmarsh, I had sort of a preset time frame in my head, which... I then very quickly realized wasn't going to be realistic. It was sort of take it each day as it comes, rather than by a month down the line, we're going to be doing this, by two months down the line, we're going to be back to cantering and jumping and stuff like that. Just don't have any expectations. Just listen to what your horse tells you and take it each day at a time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to chat with me about this. And I just love your story. And I love how devoted you've been to getting him sound. And I'm so happy that he's going so well.
1: Thank you. I mean, I think one more thing I will say, actually, before I go, is that I think we all know this, but if there's somebody listening, that is at the very start of a diagnosis, it is very emotionally taxing, it is emotionally draining, it's financially draining, it's mentally draining. And it is, it is difficult as well when you have the opinions of lots of different people. So not only vets and farriers, but just other people in the horse world. Sort of, I had lots of people saying to me, are you sure Like this is a good idea in terms of the barefoot rehab, especially with the self-trimming? A lot of people doubting what I was doing which can be not very nice when you feel sort of you're on your own. And that's why I think the little communities, even sort of the Barefoot Rehab the Navicular Group, like utilise resources like that, because to me that is a resource to use. Obviously you're on there, there's loads and loads of knowledgeable people and the groups like that that are there wanting to help you because we're all in the same position at the end of the day
0: yeah exactly right I mean it's so important to have a community if I didn't have people around me when Vinny was first diagnosed I probably would have just given up because it is it can be like you said emotionally draining and amongst all the other things you're dealing with so oh
1: absolutely obviously when it got to the point when I was told to have Frankie put to sleep it was really having that community even that online community and having those the support for people around me even if those people are thousands of miles away still having that sort of support system to go yeah okay I can try this and I can actually push through it
0: yeah exactly
1: well thank you very much for having me on again
0: oh yeah thank you I think this is awesome I'm super excited to share it and I really appreciate your insight and you have like such a great way of putting things you're really awesome and articulate so I really appreciate it <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right well have a great rest of your afternoon and I'll send this to you when it's done being edited.
1: Cool. Thank you very much. And have a lovely rest of your day.
0: Thanks. Bye. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at the humble hoof at gmail.com.